Hey everyone, I'm your host Jeremy and welcome to this week's special presentation of Everyman Livestream. This week, Pastor Kenny is on mission to Haiti, but don't worry, we still got you covered. Today's study comes from a recent sermon that Kenny did hey, at hey. Crossline. Anthony, what are you doing? I'm Jeremy, you're Anthony. I'm the host, you're the guy that goes over there. Why are you trying to be, why are you so aggressive? Hey, man? man, this is my spot. What are you doing here? I just thought maybe I could be the host for once. No, I'm the host. Don't you get that? Let's go over, man, jeez. So anyway, they're 18 inches apart. They oversee major organization. They're working every day and night for you until you die. They are mission critical to your relationships with God and people, and they have to work together. You know what they are? I'm talking about your head and your heart, the two CEOs of your life. And sometimes they don't always work together. It doesn't always make it from your head to your heart. And you know what? There's something about experiencing and sensing God's purposes in your head and in your heart for, for you to really see something to really truly happen. Now, let's join Kenny this week for... Now let's join Kenny for no, this week's... Now let's join Kenny... Now, now let's, let's join Kenny for this week's... Now let's join Kenny for this week's message. Message. So uh, this morning, uh, I was given the freedom to talk about anything I wanted, which is really dangerous. Uh, and I thought to myself, well, I could do this, I could do that. And God said, why don't you talk about something you struggle with? Really? I gotta talk about something that I struggle with? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna lead you into it by asking you a question. How many of you would agree that sometimes it's hard to get a message that you affirm, want, believe in from here to here? Where there are things that like, you're like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I should do that. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's godly. That's, that's what I want to be. That's what I want to believe. And then it just somehow the elevator gets stuck in your throat. It just never quite makes it to your heart. And when I thought about what I was going to talk about, I thought, man, my head and my heart, they're like two CEOs. They have major organizations with overlapping jurisdictions. They communicate instantly. They work in perfect coordination most of the time. One would perish without the other. One specializes in the intellectual pursuits all day. The other pumps iron. You're supposed to laugh, anyone. But they're like two allies, right? They work tirelessly for a lifetime without ever taking a vacation. The slightest interruption between head and heart in their labors would be catastrophic. For my life, they're exactly the same age, all right? They inhabit the same territory, and uh, their combined efforts keep me alive and well. And from my birth, even before my birth, until the moment I go to be with the Lord, they're on the job. But as you agreed with me, at least most of you who are honest, the relationship between the head and the heart isn't just physiological, right? The Bible talks about your head or your brain as the center of your thinking and has much to say about a lot of things and reflects the mind. The heart represents the hidden you. When the Bible talks about the heart, yes, it's a beating chest organ, but it's also something that is hidden, like when the Bible says the heart of the seas or something like that. It's an it's a inaccessible, it's a, it's a place that nobody can see. And so when you read about your heart in the Bible or when God's talking about the focus of your heart, he's talking about the hidden you, the real you, 
your real feelings, your real thoughts, your real intentions, your real beliefs, and your real values versus what? Your image. Or what you project out there for people to believe about you. Now, when it comes to the heart, in the Bible, the heart, that word, is mentioned over a thousand times. It is the most common anthropological term in God's word. And again, it's who you really are. Now, why is that important in this context? You're here to grow in God. You're here to learn about God. You might be seeking God this morning. Why is the heart so important for your journey in seeking, knowing, and living for God. Well, I think all of you would agree it's possible to have a head knowledge of God, of God and his love, without the heart knowledge of God's love, right? And head knowledge about God's love is useless to you unless it takes the elevator down into your heart into who you really are, into what you really think, into what you really believe. And that's catastrophic for your relationships with God and people. And so that's something that I struggle with. I know God loves me. I know God sent Jesus. I know Jesus died a horrible death on the cross in history. And I know the extension of his offer of love. But sometimes I get bogged down between here and here. Letting the love of God radically transform me like the Bible says. So this is what we're going to do this morning. We're going to get God's mind on our hearts. And then we're going to look at how do, we, how do we get the love of God from here to here. And then we're going to actually make a transaction and go from knowing about the love of God, which is knowledge, to actually sensing, feeling, and experiencing the love of God in practice by taking two action steps. But let's start in the Bible, where the Bible encourages us, if, you're, if you have notes, if you have your notes this morning, take those out, and we're going to follow along. But the Bible reminds us that we got to work at, at managing our inner life and our hearts. In Proverbs 4.23, it tells us about that, and I want us all to read that together. So if you have your message notes, take those out, and let's read Proverbs 4.23 together. Ready? Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Say three words with me. Say action, location, and reason. Okay, the action that God's word tells us is that we got to watch over. Any of you parents ever watched over your little toddlers running away? You ever watched over something like with bated breath to make sure that it got to where it needed to go or... What happened needed to happen. That's what the Bible's saying. You gotta watch over what? You gotta watch over your heart. And we just learned that our heart is the real us. It's not what people think they know about us. It's not what the image we project. It's who we really are on the inside. We gotta watch over our inner self. Why? Because from it, and here's the reason, from it flow the springs of life. And uh, the springs in the Bible, when you see it in there, it's a place of origin. Everybody say place of origin place of origin. So the origin of your real life, not the one that you project, but the origin of your real life, who you are, how you feel, what you experience, it comes from heart management. And so what God wants us to know is a couple simple truths. Write this down. I am what I let in my heart. That's number one coming out of that passage. And I am what I keep out of my heart. Not all voices are equal. And I think everyone knows 
that there's a recruiting war for your identity, for your energy, for your thinking, for how you're gonna approach life, how you're gonna approach relationships, how you're gonna go about it, how you're gonna think about yourself, how you're gonna think about other people, where you're gonna put your money, your energy, your investment of your time. There's a war for that, and not all voices are equal. The Bible says, hey, watch over your heart with all diligence. From it flow the springs of life. And so what does God want me to know about my heart? So let's look at three things. We learn the first thing that God wants me to know about my heart from 1 Samuel 16, 7, where God says this. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That's right, you might want to circle that. The Lord looks at the heart. So the first thing we learn is my heart, the real me, requires God's focus. God has decided, you know what? I need to focus on who that person really is. Not on their image, not on their outsides, not on what kind of car they drive or where their second vacation home is or what they do for a living or them being cool. I need to focus on the real person that nobody knows, the hidden person. Now, if you're looking at that and you go, wow, if that's where God's focus is, maybe my focus should be there. If that focus takes God's energy and attention, then it must be pretty important who I really am when no one's looking. I should focus on the real me, not the image that I'm trying to project. Secondly, we read that not only does my heart require God's focus, but my heart needs fixing. In Psalm 139, 23 and 24, it says this, investigate my life, O God, find out everything about me, cross-examine and test me, get a clear picture, I wanna circle that one, of what I'm about, see for yourself whether I've done anything wrong, then guide me on the road to eternal life. So my heart requires God's focus and my heart requires God's fixing. You see, earth is broken, people are broken, Thanks a lot, Adam. People are broken. Relationships break. We're flawed. We have, we have imperfections. We do things we don't want to do, and the very thing we want to do, we don't do. And the very thing we do, we hate. We have impulses inside that we act on that we know we shouldn't act on. There's parts of us, and David is like, it's like when I went to the orthopedist and you have to sit in that MRI thing. It's like for what, like 45 minutes. And they're looking at my leg and just like, okay, when's this going to be over? But that's what Psalm 139, 23 and 24 is. It's just like, God, examine me. Look in me. See if there's anything inside me. In another translation, see if there be any hurtful way in me. Why? Last, last phrase. Then guide me on the road to eternal life. So your heart needs fixing. My heart needs fixing. Amen. Okay, I just tested the level of honesty in the room, okay, because that's important. God's trying to get us honest with him and honest with each other. Let's look at the third thing. We find out about that in Romans 5.5, 5, and this is the most important thing. He's focused on our heart. We should focus there. Our heart needs fixing. We probably should participate in that. And then the Bible says this in Romans 5.5, 5, right? And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. My heart requires God's filling. Write that down. And what does he want to put in your heart and my heart? His love. He wants his love to go from here 
an abstract, a concept, something you affirm, and he wants his love to take the elevator down and explode into the real you and into your heart. And so where I'd like to go right now is I'd just like to kind of talk about knowing versus knowledge, because that's the difference between the head and the heart. The head, the head just knows something about something. The heart knows it on a transactional and transformational level. And so God wants his love from him to enter the real you and your real space powerfully and personally. Talks about that in Ephesians chapter three, verses 16 to 19. Now, there's Jesus, and the second name when it comes to Bible people that you usually hear about that's referenced is the Apostle Paul. Okay, and the Apostle Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament. A lot of preachers like to say he was the greatest Christian who ever walked the planet, so let's just, let's just assume that. He was flawed too, and he talked about it in his writings. But the Apostle Paul, what does he pray for for his fellow brothers and sisters? Listen to this. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power. Everybody say with power. With power. Okay, what does it look like? Through his spirit in your inner being, that's your heart, so that, and here's the first thing he wants to see happen, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So that's number one. What do I pray for all of you in this room and for all of the people that are out there listening and watching online? I pray that Christ would dwell inside your heart. I pray that you would know the real Jesus. I pray that you would know him in such a way that it would just change everything about your life because he's God and he loves you. But then there's a second thing. The verse goes on, and I pray. So he prays that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith. Now here's how does it flesh out. And I pray that you, the one in whom Christ dwells, being rooted and established in what? Love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love, listen, that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And so my prayer for you this morning is Paul's prayer. I pray that by the end of the service, that every person listening to the sound of my voice would have Jesus at home in their heart. But then I pray for all of you who have Jesus there that you would be rooted and established and grasping and understanding how deep that love is for you. Why? So that you will be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Why? Why do I want that? Why does the Apostle Paul want that? Why does God want that for you right now? Because it changes everything. It changes everything about you. It changes the way you think. It changes the way you relate. It changes the way you serve. It changes your perspective on life. It changes how you live. And so the natural question, when you look at that passage of scripture, is what is it about us that God knows his love will solve? Well, the first thing that God knows, and you might want to write this down, God knows that love and acceptance secure me. They secure me. Why? Because when, I, when I'm known and I'm loved and I'm accepted for who I am, that gives me worth, and it gives me peace. That's what everybody wants, amen? That's what everybody wants. That's what every man, woman, and child wants. They want to know that they have worth. 
that they matter, that they have significance. And love brings that, unconditional love and acceptance. And if, if, like me, if you didn't get it in your home, you'll go find it somewhere else. You'll go find a second community outside your home that will tell you who you are and that you belong and that we love you and we accept you. And that's okay. But the best love and acceptance comes from God himself. It's when he loves and accepts you because his opinion in the end is the only one that matters. And so God knows that love and acceptance secure me. Secondly, God knows that loneliness and rejection wound me. There's the upside of life and the downside, and this is the downside, and a lot of us have stories like this, where we missed the love and acceptance, and then we went and chased it, and then we found out that we had to do some things to be loved and accepted that weren't very healthy for us, and then we wind up lonely and wounded, and God hates that. God hates loneliness. How do I know that? That's why he sent Jesus. He never wants you to be lonely. And so God knows that loneliness and rejection wound me. And then third, God knows that loyalty and presence heal and free us. You know what loyalty means? Person to person, it means I'm for you. God's a person. And God's for you. He's for you at your worst. He's for you at your best. He's for you when you're at weakest. He's for you when you're vulnerable. And guess what? He's not only for you, he's staying. There are some of you here and you go, ah, you don't know me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know how many times I've crossed the line into, the, into areas where I should have never gone, done things I should have never done. I don't care. God is loyal and he is present and he loves you. And he's not leaving. doesn't matter how vulnerable or weak or good or bad you are. That loyalty and that presence communicates something to you. That he loves you. That's what God knows. So if God knows that, how do we take what God knows about us? And what we just learned about the heart and how the real person inside of us that not everybody sees needs God's love to go from here to here. How do we take that and actually transact it and become secure, feel our worth, and feel the peace that comes from knowing we're worthy of God's love? And so we don't have to go chase false love out there in whatever form. How do we actually transact it? Well, I want to read three passages of Scripture that gives us three things that we need to do, okay? And it talks about it in 1 John chapter 4. It says this, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment in this world. We are like Jesus. I want everybody to say three words with me. Everybody say no, rely, and live. Because this passage of scripture gives us the keys that unlock how to take God's love from here in your head down into your heart. The first action that we take to know God's love, write this down, is through believing in Jesus. If you want to know if God is love and you want more love in your heart, which radically transforms you, you must believe in Jesus. In fact, Jesus said in John 16, in one of the final conversations that he had with his disciples before he went to the cross, he said this, the Father himself loves you because you have what? Loved me and have believed that I came from God. That's the starting point, but it's not just the starting point, it's the daily action point. 
is believing in Jesus. We believe in Jesus initially for salvation. We believe in Jesus moment by moment and every day for transformation. Everybody say salvation and say transformation. If you want to know what it's like to know God, it's about salvation and then transformation. And both come about through believing in Jesus. So if you want to start experiencing God's love, not just up here, but down here, you're going to have to turn from believing in other things, perhaps your own resourcefulness or self-sufficiency, and start believing in Jesus to save you, to forgive your sins, to give you a purpose for living, and a home in heaven. And then, after you make that decision, then you continue on a daily basis to believe in Jesus and start your day with Jesus and talk to Jesus and participate in Jesus' community, which is called the church. So that's first. We have to know God's love through believing in Jesus. Secondly, we rely on God's love. What does that mean? It means depending on Jesus. Write that down. You know, when you're in a relationship, saying that you love someone and that you believe in them is really actualized when they can depend on you. It's kind of like, you know, me and Chrissy. And I could say I love you all the time, you know, but I, I actually depend on her. I turn to her, and that's what tells her that I love her, and our love grows as I, as I depend on her and as she depends on me. We rely on one another. Look at what it says in John 15. Again, these are... Words of Jesus and Jesus saying, hey, I'm leaving, but this is how it works for the next foreseeable span of time until I return. He says this, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept the Father's commands and remain in his love. Let's finish it together. Ready? I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And I just want you to think about your regular relationships. If you're in relationship with somebody and they express a desire or a preference or something like that and you love them, you adjust your life around their desire and preference because you want to please them and show them that you love them. That's what Jesus is talking about. So what does depending on Jesus look like? Learn Jesus' ways. Learn how he feels about certain things and how to do life and what his priorities are. And then if you love him, then you depend on those things and those ways And Jesus is saying, hey, let's keep this going. Remain in my love. This is how you do it. When I express my opinion, will, desire, do that. And you will remain in my love. Okay, so that's that's rely. Third is live in God's love. What does that look like? It means acting like Jesus. Acting like Jesus. If I want to live in God's love, i got to act like Jesus. Now, and again, in John 13, Jesus says this. So now, okay, because the relationship is about to change. I'm leaving, you're staying. So now, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So Jesus had been hanging out with these guys for three years. Three years, 12 guys, 20 centuries of radical love to this day. Guess what? You're a part of this conversation now. Because their love for Jesus, at least 11 out of 12 of them, they loved him so much they died for him. They loved each other and they loved people. They became like Jesus. And so that's the secret. 
that the Bible gives to how do I go from knowing about God's love to knowing it on the inside? Well, I have to believe in Jesus. I have to depend on Jesus. And when I know Jesus and believe in him and depend on him, then I start acting like him. You know, I had a group of friends in high school. And because we hung out so much, I started to act like them. I almost died, like on multiple occasions. Because, you know, all it takes, right, when a bunch of dudes get together is one bad idea, right? When you hang out with Jesus, he gives you good ideas. He tells you how to live. He tells you how to love. He says, I am the way. Without Jesus, there is no going. He says, I am the truth. Without Jesus, there is no knowing. He said, I am the life. Without Jesus, there is no living. He is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. He'll give you good ideas. He'll tell you how to love. He'll tell you who you are. And so there's the key. And I love what it says in 1 John 4, 17. I'd love for us to read this together. Okay, right there on your notes under, under acting like Jesus. Let's read that passage together. Ready? This is how love is made complete among us. In this world, we are like Jesus. Now, if this community of people in the character and spirit of Jesus, started acting like Jesus, you think things would change in your world? Change in your family? Change on your block? Change in your community? Change in your school? It all comes about through God's love. And so here is the coolest thing of all about God's love, not just being an abstract, but moving from your head to your heart. If I know God's love, if I rely on God's love, if I live in God's love, you know what that does? Write this down. It defeats fear. This is really important for a lot of you sitting in this room right now and listening online. You're afraid. You're afraid for whatever reason. For some of you, there's a diagnosis and you don't know what the outcome is going to be. Maybe you need a miracle. For some of you, you fear rejection. Maybe somebody's on the verge of maybe leaving you. Or maybe you fear just what is the future? I'm graduating from college and I don't know what my next step is and I see all my friends and they're doing X and I'm doing Y. What am I gonna do? I don't know what you're afraid of. But here's the cool thing. You're okay. You are okay. Wanna know why I know that? Because God loves you. You know, when my son was in the emergency room and he was bleeding out his nose and in heavy Velcro straps and terrified, I walked in and I was just like Luke Skywalker. I said, Ryan. <laughs> I just like doing that. I said, your dad's here. You're gonna be okay. And I said it again and I said it the third time and the third time you should have just seen everything went from fire engine red and trembling to <sighs> did his circumstances change? Yes or no? No. no? no. But he had the presence and promise of his father. Some of you need to hear that from me this morning. Your circumstances suck. You're on the verge of something that you know you can't change. Or perhaps you're, something's happening to you and there's just in your circumstances. I'm here to tell you, from God, you're gonna be okay because he loves you and that's all that matters. You know him. He's bigger than whatever you're facing. I don't know what you're facing, but God is bigger. I don't know what's generating the fear, but get your eyes off of that and get your eyes onto him. 
and begin to reflect on the idea and the reality that God loves you. And let his love travel from here to here. So are you ready? That's my question. Are you ready to fully experience God's love for the real you, the one that nobody sees, the hidden you? Well, there's three things that God says that we need to do. And the first one is I personally recognize God's love. You gotta, pers- you gotta stop, you gotta press the pause button and you gotta look not at yourself and get out of your own head and you have to, you have to raise your eyes to heaven and your heart to heaven and you have to look and you gotta go, okay, does God love me really? And then you need to look to Jesus and to see him on the cross. Yes, God really loves you and he wants a relationship with you, and you're made by him and for him, and you're going to him, and nothing that's happening to you right now can ever shake that. So you have to personally recognize God's love. Look at what the Bible says, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. What marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at it. We're called children of God. That's who we really are. You know, when someone extends something marvelous to you, what's the normal response? Okay. God's love is marvelous. And many of us in here know how marvelous it really is. His grace, his mercy, his assurance, his promises. But a lot of times we don't stop to look at it. We don't take the time. That's why Jesus had us do communion. He said, for as long as the church is going, you're gonna stop And you're going to look at it. You're going to look at me and you're going to look at what I did for you. Secondly, after I look and recognize God's love, I openly receive God's love. It's one thing to recognize something. It's another thing to receive it for yourself, just like presents, right? It's like, wow, that's a really nice present. Yeah, it's for you. Great. I'll leave it there. No one ever says that. Let me see what's in it. Right? And you receive it, and then you open it, and then you engage it, right? And then your heart swells with love. The present might be good, but the thought behind it makes your heart even swell even bigger. Now, the Bible says that we need to receive God's love. It says this in Romans 8, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Notice the goal. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Wow. That's what happens when you receive the love of God through Jesus Christ. You get adopted. Now, if any of you have adopted children, okay, you know what I'm talking about. If any of you can appreciate a child who doesn't have a family, getting a family, you can appreciate what I'm talking about. Some of you who grew up without a family and came into the family of God and now have a family, you can appreciate what I'm talking about. We openly receive the spirit of adoption, God's love into family. God loves me, God wants me, God knows me, God sees me with my warts and all, and he still wants me to be his child. But I have to receive it. I have to say yes, and we're going to give you a chance to do that a little bit later. Third, next step after recognize and receive is I redefine myself by God's love. What does that mean? All it means 
is that our most important relationships redefine our lives. When I stood at the altar 30 years ago, June 18th, and said, I do to this beautiful five foot five brunette, it changed my life forever. She began to redefine who I was. I'm her husband now. My identity is in her and in our family. That's what happens when you say yes to Jesus, when you say I do. It redefines you completely. The way you used to be is not gonna be the way you are. Where you put your energy is not where you're gonna put it before. How you treat people before isn't gonna be the way that you treat them now. Why? Because the love of God invades your heart permanently and pervasively and powerfully and you change from the inside out. Look at what the Bible says. Romans 8, 37. Let's read it together. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who, who loved us. Wow, that's a redefinition. Now I'm not afraid anymore. Now I'm conquering. That addiction that used to hold me in bondage, I'm conquering. Why? Because God says I'm okay and I don't need that. This way of being and believing and behaving that hurts my relationships, I'm conquering that. Why? Because God loves me and he says I'm okay and I don't have to play to people and do, live that way anymore. How I invest my spare time, I don't have to, I, I can start serving people and I can start getting more involved in church and I can start advancing God's purposes. Why? Because God says I'm all right and he loves me and I don't have anything to prove to anybody else with what I do in my spare time. Amen? You see how you become a conqueror some of you are so defeated right now because you can't get God's love from here down to here. And God says, you're a conqueror. And you go, no, I'm defeated. God says, no, you're not. You're a conqueror. And you think, no, I'm defeated. You don't know what I've done. And God says, I don't care. My love is bigger than whatever is standing in your way. I'm gonna replace whatever's keeping you in bondage with my love. And that's gonna liberate you to redefine yourself around me. You get delivered from your worst fears. In 1 John 4, 18, it talks about that. It says, there's no fear in love. When you are unconditionally loved and accepted by God, you are secure. When you have his loyalty and his presence, you become healed and free on a progressive basis. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. I would go as far as to say that many of the problems that I have in my own life is because I cannot get God's love from here to here. Just that I would be secure in God, secure enough to notice other people and to serve them. And to know that there's one person, no matter what people do to me or whatever life does to me, he's never gonna leave me and he's never gonna forsake me. He's always gonna be with me to the end and then I'm gonna be with him forever. And so those are the three things. Recognize, receive, and redefine yourself around God's love for you. Now, I'm gonna offer an opportunity for everybody. We're gonna do two things. We're gonna pray and we're gonna worship. Right? We're gonna pray and, and just, if this is your heart's desire, to have God's love go from here to here, then I'm just gonna invite you to bow your heads right now in God's presence. Right now, God's here, God's speaking, it's clear. And perhaps you would like to say with me to God, God, right now, I'm seeing. I'm seeing the magnitude of your love for me. The depth of your desire for me. 
that you would so love the world that you would give your only son, that you would take my shortcomings and sin and selfishness and you would put it on your son so that my imperfections could be forgiven, so that I could have a home in heaven, so that I could discover my purpose for living. God, I want to experience your love. Not with my head, but with my heart. I want to learn how to love like you and to give that love away to others. God, forgive me for minimizing that, forgetting that, marginalizing the most amazing act of love in Jesus. And I just want you to know, I see it, and I recognize it, and I want it. So right now, Lord, I receive your love for myself. And I receive it into my heart, not my head. I receive your love right now in Jesus for the real me, the one who's afraid right now. I want to be a part of your family forever. So I'm saying yes to your love by saying yes to Jesus. And I invite your love through him into my heart to save me from myself, to deliver me from all of these fears that you're bigger than, and to transform me from the inside out. Jesus, I want your love to guide me and to define me for the rest of my life. Jesus, I need your love to heal me and to keep healing me in every way. Jesus, I need your love to secure me. Your love alone. Jesus, I need you to tell me who I am, that I'm created by you, that I'm created for you, and that one day I'll be going to you. Jesus, I want your perfect love to define who I am and how I live from this moment forward. So fill me. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your spirit so that I can know personally and forever how much you love me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When he speaks, there's an expectation. In the spiritual life and in your relationships, you overwhelmingly conquer and dominate when you understand that the God of the universe has special affection for you, that he made you, that he loves you, he has an intention for you today. But if you don't believe that, if you do not believe that, you will dilute who he really is and what his true feelings for you are, and you're gonna become afraid. Because when you don't believe that you're loved, you become afraid that you're unloved, then you go seek to validate yourself. He's got these things for you in the midst of your right now life. It's not like everything has to clarify and, and resolve before you can be used by God. God's got good works for you to do in the midst of where you are right now. The question is, do you believe that?